Hey friends, Rich here. I know that every summer in a lot of churches, it's like the time when the team turns over. It's a logical season for people to maybe explore moving to a new church. And this is one of the things they didn't teach us in seminary. It's really this whole idea of when do we move on from our current church. Over the last couple years, man, I've been a part of a ton of conversations, not just in the summertime, but all year round where they're wrestling with this question of what do I do when I go to leave and are things I need to kind of wrestle with before I go. That's why I'm so excited about some brand new resources that our friends over at Chemistry Staffing have put together and they're sharing with you, the listeners of the Unseminary Podcast. If you go to chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary, you can download one PDF that contains two different eBooks. Those eBooks are when to leave and before you go man these books are probably the best resource i've seen for ministry leaders who are wrestling through whether this is the time whether summer is the season or whether this is the year for you to move on i'm convinced that you know this will be incredibly helpful for you particularly if you're thinking through those questions Literally, these are the kind of things they never talk about in seminary. Again, go to chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary to pick up one PDF containing two ebooks called When to Leave and Before You Go. Pick those up today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey. You're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name's Rich and the host around these parts, and I am just so honored to have our guest with us today, Dr. Derwin Gray. He's the lead pastor at Transformation Church. It was started in 2010 uh, by himself and his lovely wife, Vicki. Uh, if you don't know Transformation, I don't know where you've been, but it's a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, missional-shaped community in South Carolina. Over the years, Transformation has launched uh, a bunch of campuses and uh, locations, including at the Kearsaw Correctional Institute and the Lee Correctional Institute. They have outreach opportunities and a number of others. Uh, they have a location in Spain, which is amazing. Well, on top of all the Transformation Church stuff that uh, that that uh, Derwin's involved in, he also is a speaker and author and just an all-around great guy. Uh, Derwin, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Hey, thank you so much, Rich. Appreciate that. And um, as you were just saying about Transformation Church. I mean, God has been incredibly gracious, and He has brought some incredible gospel partners who mm. serve along in the staff and in the congregation. And so Jesus is building His church. Mm. We're simply His hands and His feet, but I sure am grateful that uh, He called my wife and I to start Transformation Church, and it's beautiful to see it blossom and mature. And yeah, I'm just blown away and grateful. Thank you. Love it. Well, we're so honored that you would, ha you know, have that you'd come back on the show. So a little behind the scenes, friends that are listening in, we're hovering right around 6,000 episodes. And when I was looking back over uh, the episodes, uh, I was thinking, man, who would I like to have back on? And uh, Derwin was at the top of that list. I really uh, wanted to have you back on, partly to loop back on something you said. Um, we were talking about, which I'm hoping to dive in today, 
racial reconciliation issues. And um, I was, uh, up until that conversation, I, you know, I felt like, oh, I'm like a pretty progressive leader and want to do what I can to uh, be the kind of church that reflects our community and and have led in that way. And have we taken, you know, real practical steps in that way over the years. And you graciously challenged me in that episode. And to, to actually, I think a bigger thought, ask a bigger question, which is actually the gospel is about reconciliation and it's about uh, ultimately uh, the kingdom of God and creating a multi-ethnic future even now. And that has stuck with me. And so many times over the years, I've said to people, as we've been talking about these issues, I said, you know, my friend Derwin, he he leaned on me on this issue, and 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 I really have just and so I I just am so thankful for you, thankful for your leadership, uh, and so I'd love to pick up that conversation. Yeah. And I, I know this is one of those, uh, you know, conversations you find yourself in. But I I just want to say thank you for that all those years ago. I appreciate uh, your you know even gracious and and uh, loving challenge in the midst of uh, you know even a podcast. So appreciate that. Well, and I appreciate you being a good student and humble and listening, mm. even five years later. So, 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 pretty much, um, typically within the American church context, uh, we mm-hmm. tend to be very pragmatic. And pragmatism mm. says, if it's right, do it. Mm. Or if I'm sorry, if it works, if it do works, it. do it. Right. Not if it's right. Because yes. the way God's economy works is it's not about doing it because it works, do it because it's mm-hmm. faithful, right? And mm-hmm. so when it pertains to racial reconciliation, this is not a side issue of the gospel of right. Jesus Christ. I think mm-hmm. in a desire to have people come to Christ, it's like a beautiful car that we have stripped to its most minimum aspects and go, okay, this is the car. No, actually it's a Mm. part of the car. And Mm. so within evangelicalism, typically we say this, believe in Jesus. He'll forgive your sins. You won't go to hell. You go to heaven when you die. He'll be with you. Well, Mm. that's a part of the car, but the entire car goes back to in Genesis 11, when God's family scatters. In Genesis 12, he calls a man by the name of Abram, changes his name to Abraham, which means father of many. He says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a big old family made up of Mm -hmm. all the nations of the earth. So I'm going to give you a big old multi-ethnic family. Mm -hmm. And through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the nation of Israel, and ultimately Jesus comes, the Jewish savior. And so Mm -hmm. Jesus' sinless life, his atoning sacrificial death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, Mm -hmm. seated as Lord, descending of the spirit, is not just to forgive our sins, but it's to Mm -hmm. give Abraham that family with different colored skins. And Mm -hmm. through the Holy Spirit's power, through the gospel, as we begin Mm -hmm. to love each other across our ethnic and demonic barriers, Jesus says, you will know my disciples because they love one another. And so so there's a difference between consumer Christianity, which says Jesus Mm -hmm. is a means to an end, and authentic Christianity that says Jesus is the end. Mm -hmm. And so so Jesus being the end, Romans 8, 29 says that he's the firstborn of many brothers and sisters from the dead. So in his humanity, he is the prototype of this new multi-ethnic family. And so Mm. this is not intrinsic to, uh, this is not separate from the gospel. This is Mm -hmm. intrinsic to the gospel. What I like to say to folks is, listen, over the last 12 years of Transformation Church, not only have we seen over 7,000 people come to faith, 
not only have four of us from around a table turned into thousands, not only have we seen over a thousand baptized, not only do we have um, a free grocery store and we do backpack meals, but we also have a multi-ethnic congregation and we understand justice. So what I'm proposing is that the gospel is so much bigger than an mm-hmm. individual transaction. God so saves us as individuals to put us into a family. And this family is a multicolored family. And I, I know some of the pushback right now is like, well, why do we have to talk about race? And I'm like, well, because the Bible does. Yes, Think about, yes. About yep, yep, yep. The nation of Israel mm-hmm. were slaves in Egypt for five years. Canaanites, Hittites, Jebusites, Prezivites on the way to the promised land, Babylonians, mm-hmm. Romans, barbarians, Scythians, Cornelius was an Italian. There's a Samaritan woman mm-hmm. at the well. There's a good Samaritan mm-hmm. at the end of the Bible. There's every nation, tribe, and tongue around Christ. Our colors and our cultures have the image of God. God redeems our colors and our culture because this mm-hmm. colorful family is a beautiful reflection into the world. And I believe mm-hmm. it's a dark, demonic attack that has kept the church silent, particularly mm. the white aspect of Christianity, yep. silent on this issue. Mm. And it's it's hurting the witness of Christ so bad. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I appreciate that, Derwin. Like that is, um, yeah, that's uh, uh, so true. And I appreciate you raising the flag for that and, and, you know, providing corrective witness as particularly to leaders as we think differently and, and try to walk out of or walk away from, as, as you say, demonic practices in the past. I remember when I was in, so like I've done a lot of work over the years on church growth. Like that's where I spent a lot of time thinking about how do we help our churches reach more people. And uh, the, part of the irony of that is I only remember one lecture from school on church growth and it was the homogeneous unit. That was what was taught. Like, and, and when you talk about the pragmatic nature um, that was a pragmatic approach that was in hindsight, you know, is like you say, demonic. It's, it's, uh, just because it works and I'm not even sure it works anymore, but just because it works, uh, you know, doesn't mean it's, it's right. But I, you know, that, um, you know, I think that has impacted so many of our churches over the years. Yeah, we have yeah, been and, stuck and, on and, this idea. Yeah. And, and, and Rich, you know, particularly for the executive pastors and ministry leaders that are listening, they don't even know that they've been baptized in the homogeneous yes. unit principle. So let's just do yep. a little his history. First of all, what is it? Mm-hmm. The homogeneous mm-hmm. unit principle was a principle developed by uh, Donald McGovern. He was a, mm-hmm. a missionary in India. And in mm-hmm. India, you have a caste. And so what he said yep. is, I'm going to reach the different people of those different Mm -hmm. castes, but then I'm going to bring them holistically into a church together as the family of God. Because if you Mm -hmm. don't, you're going to have racist and classes, class filled churches. Well, Americans Mm -hmm. got a hold to to, to it and conveniently it fit the racist culture of, okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, if you want to grow fast and who doesn't want to grow fast. So in order to grow fast, let's make sure that we reach people who think alike, look alike, same political persuasion. Mm-hmm. And what you have is you have these churches of sameness and mm-hmm. research shows that homogeneous churches increase political division, mm-hmm. uh, racial prejudice. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it deteriorates discipleship. And then let me add this, Rich, is, and I don't want to be... Uh, hear my heart in this. Mm -hmm. 
all the church growth movement has done for the most part is made bigger churches bigger because you have better speakers, better music, mm. better mm. facilities, and Christians mm. go to the better place to consume. Right. But if you look at the rise of Christianity in total, um, it's not really rising a whole bunch in America where the church is growing is in Latin America, Africa, China, India. The fastest conversion rates are in Iran. And so what the homogeneous unit principles done in the church growth movement has done is you have basically created Amazon churches and then mom and pop churches. And there's really not yeah. a whole bunch in between. And our church is a very large church, but right. our methodology for going ab about it is not a consumptive model. Like I believe mm -hmm. that you can actually grow yes. healthily without having to be pragmatic and creating these bubbles of isolation. Yeah. Love it. Uh, yeah. And I, and so this is a part of what I love about transformation. This is why I love watching what your church does and pointing people towards you. Cause I, I really do think that, uh, and, and maybe I'm just too pragmatic, <laughs> but I love watching and trying to learn from what your church is doing to work this out practically totally. to work out. Okay. What is this? How, how does this, how does the rubber meet the road on this? Cause I think there are, unfortunately, there are a lot of leaders that are out there who are like you say, we've been kind of baptized in the homogeneous movement, even if we don't know it, like even, mm -hmm. you know, even if we don't, we're not aware of it. That's just, mm -hmm. that's, that's been the dominant idea, but you know, and I know that, uh, the church of the future is more diverse than the church of the past. It has to be like that. We have to be more like the gospel. We have to work this thing out. Um, so what would you say, you know, I'm sure you have church leaders talk to you all the time and, yeah. you know, ask the question, Okay, so I'm I'm convinced. I you know I, I I'm not resisting on uh, the you know the idea that our church needs to take step increase steps towards diversity, yeah. and I'm not you know I'm I, I'm with you on that. And they gen you come from a genuine place. Yeah. What would be some of those steps that you would say? Okay, here's some some steps we should take towards that. What does that look like? Yeah. So the so the first one by way of illustration, when Wolverine got the antianum put inside of him. <laughs> It changed I love it. Him. Love it. It, 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 it changed. <laughs> it changed his DNA, right? So you have to have more than simply I agree with the idea. Yeah. The theological conviction that this is a gospel issue has to be the antianum inside of you, mm. because if not, you won't be strong enough. This is what I right. tell all my white pastor friends: If you're mm -hmm. serious about this, you're going to lose thirty percent of your people in one year. So your theological mm -hmm. roots had better be like the anti-antum in Wolverine. Mm. And so that's why mm. I wrote my book, How to Heal Our Racial Divide. Mm. Pastors can listen to our messages. We also have a round table called Building Multi-Ethnic mm. Church Round Table. Like this has to be in you deeply. Mm -hmm. It can't be like, we're not trying to have diverse churches because America's more diverse. We're right. trying to have more diverse churches because that is the outworking of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So that's first. Secondly, once you have those theological gospel convictions, your leadership has to reflect the congregation that you want to have. Mm -hmm. And when I say mm -hmm. leadership, I don't mean like, you know, the one minority guy, if he's black, you know, he's always on the urban team. You know, he goes down right, to only right. black people live in poor, you know, and if he's Latino, then he's on the immigration team. But, yeah, you know, yeah, sharing yeah. the pulpit, um, 
executive mm-hmm. pastors, administrators, small group pastors. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it has to be reflective and leadership that makes mm-hmm. decisions. Thirdly, cross-cultural competency is so important. Let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In my sermon from last week, I opened up with the story from Encanto. Encanto is a movie about Latinos. We have Latinos at our church. And Mm -hmm. what I opened up with is this. I said, yes, I'm Felix. I look like him. I'm Felix. So everybody laughs. But one of the themes in the movie is we, we don't talk about Bruno. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's like, yeah, they laugh. And I said, well, for most of our white brothers and sisters in Christ, you were not taught, don't talk about Br- Br- Bruno. You were taught, don't talk about race. Mm-hmm. So I used a Latino movie to yeah, bring yeah. out a point, right? And so cross cultural mm-hmm. competency <laughs> is understanding that Mexicans are not the same as Puerto Ricans. Puerto Ricans are not yes, the same yes. as Cubans. Cubans are not the same as Venezuelans. And then you have various A. So, so love means I'm willing to learn about your culture. And that's yes, what Paul yes. did in 1 Corinthians 9 19 yeah. through 23. To the Jew, I become a Jew. To the Gentile, I become a Gentile. In other words, he understands their culture. Mm-hmm. So empathy and sympathy and saying, hey, man, I get you. I understand you. I feel your mm-hmm. pain. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's what Jesus did with the woman at, at the well. She was a non-Jew. I believe mm-hmm. that that's what Jesus did when he's told Jerry, you know, uh, mm-hmm. like, I haven't seen this much faith in all of mm-hmm. Israel, like mm-hmm. cross-cultural competency. But here's the hard part. Right. And I want my white brothers and sisters to, to, to hear this. When you're the majority culture, it's harder for you to listen to other people's stories because you don't have to. Mm. Because oh, that's good. Because as the dominant culture, it's like in elementary school when mm-hmm. all the desks were pretty much right handed desk. But right. for left handed pe- pe- people, it was very hard to write like they could yep. write, but it yep. was very hard. So mm-hmm. the right handed people had right privilege. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so majority culture people have privilege, meaning the world was created by them and for them. And so why listen? So it takes Mm -hmm. great depths of humility, very incarnationally to listen Mm -hmm. to someone else's stories. Like one of the, one of the things that's really frustrating as a 51 year old black man Mm -hmm. is I shouldn't have to defend that racism is still a problem. I shouldn't right, have right. to like yeah. give a blood test and a lie, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, a lie detector test. I'm like, no, the statistics are here. But here's mm-hmm. what's happened, though, bro, is at our church, we'll have white families that will adopt black kids, particularly black boys. Mm-hmm. And when they're young, you're, they're cute and cuddly. But when they become mm-hmm. teenagers, they become a threat. And then those same parents mm-hmm. will say things like, we had no idea that. It was this way. Our black adopted son is treated much differently than our white right. adopted son. We right. had no idea. And I mm-hmm. lovingly say, how come you had no idea? Black right. people have been sharing that with you for right. a long time. Well, long what time. happened Your is life. the pain became approximate. Yeah. yeah. Let's not wait till the pain becomes approximate to be mm-hmm. our brothers and sisters keeper because that's the gospel. Yeah. Uh, dude, I love this. I, a number of years ago, I read uh, Jim Wallace's book, America's Original Sin, Racism, White Privilege, and the Bridge to a New America, which in that he 
Uh, I love that book. It was fantastic. And in that, it one of the eye-opening, and this was one of, in my own journey on these, again, I would say from thinking, wow, like you're pretty progressive to like, you don't know anything. You're an idiot. Um, in my own, you know, in my own life, he talks about very similarly, he said, you know, t- talk to, uh, as a challenge to white guys, he's like, hey, talk to a black friend, black male friend guy about the talk that his parents had about what happens when you get pulled over by a cop. And mm-hmm. so a good friend of mine I talked to and had that conversation and it was an eye-opening experience. I was like, I um, was a little shocked by that. I was like, I'm, you know, as a, as I remember, I, well, I don't remember my parents ever telling me about what it was like to talk about cops. If we ever had that conversation it was like, don't be an idiot and speed. That was basically it. Um, as, and, and so, yeah, I, I appreciate, you know, you pushing on that issue. That's another great book for yeah, folks you, that may you, be you looking know, and- to journey. And also, you know, like you, you, you have the police brutality, you know, mm. I, th- I think those are the easier aspects of things that you see. What I'm, what I'm trying to help the body of Christ with is particularly for the people who do, who don't think they're prejudiced right. is, you know, they'll say things like, yeah, well, you can be my br- brother in Christ, but not my brother-in-law or, mm. you know, like seminary. It's messed up. I, I I heard how great Jonathan Edwards was and George Whitfield, and they both condoned slavery. Right. But yet Dr. King, who may have had affairs, was considered unsaved. But right. yet those guys who owned slaves, well, they were men of their times. I'm like, no, uh, William Wilberforce, John Wesley were abolitionists. Um, he, you know, so it's not being an issue mm. of your time. And then yeah. if a black man writes a book, it's black theology. If a Latino right. man writes a book, it's Latino theology. If a white man writes a book, it's theology. Just theology. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to do is show how in the gospel, right, our ethnic distinctions don't need to be obliterated. They can be celebrated. That mm-hmm. our ethnic differences actually make mm-hmm. us different for the better. And mm-hmm. that all of us through the purifying blood of Jesus are equally declared righteous. So therefore, mm. when we look at each other, we see the righteousness of Jesus and we treat each other accordingly. And that moves right. us to Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but consider others better than yourself. Mm-hmm. Love it. Listen, I, it's funny you, you mentioned Encanto because I, first of all, I love the Felix <laughs> I love that, you know, that you must get that. (laughs) And I like how he treats his wife. You treat Vicky the same way. It's so fantastic. Uh, (laughs) But the, uh, so with so much respect, which is great, but the, um, you know, that's an interesting, that's an interesting movie because I, I watched it and I had the same similar kind of experience where I was like, there's a whole bunch of stuff happening in this movie that I don't get at all. That's happening on a bunch of different cultural levels. And I think is amazing. I'm like, this is great. And it's a kid's movie, right? It's a kid's movie, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, fantastic. What would you say to leaders who are leaning in to say, Hey, Tay, I want to grow my own cross-cultural competency. I, I want to grow that. Sure. I, I feel deficient in that area. I feel like, Hey, there's, there's, uh, you know, something I need to grow in. What What would you suggest to to them? I would say read my book, How to Heal Our Racial <laughs> d- d- Divide. Yes. That's yes. why I wrote it. Is, yes. uh Readers are leaders, leaders are readers. Yes. And so I wrote this book for readers to become leaders and for leaders to read it, to lead more effectively. Um, yep. So yep. that's the first thing is it's like, uh, you know, about 29 years ago this week, 
I was drafted by the Colts. Mm. So I had mm-hmm. to learn the playbook. I couldn't just go right. play. I had to learn the playbook. And right. so learn the playbook, which is written throughout the Bible. And you'll begin to see, as you read my book, you'll begin to see scriptures and things you never, ever thought. Like, Mm -hmm. how did I miss this? Mm -hmm. Well, I think we miss it because the devil wants us to. And Mm -hmm. the teachers who taught it, um, oftentimes it was the most conservative seminaries that were holding the gospel that were the most racist. I mean, could you imagine Mm -hmm. Dr. Mm -hmm. Tony Evans not being able to get into some schools in 1980? There was a yeah. church in Atlanta that wouldn't allow him to be a member of the church. Yeah, I get emails all the time. Just a few weeks ago, um, some people who came to our roundtable had people leave their church because the first two black people in the history of that church got baptized. So they left the church. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. So, mm. um, hmm. so like really to grow in cross-cultural competency, you have to read authors and people who've been doing that and they'll take you back Mm -hmm. to the Bible and you'll see insights, Mm -hmm. you know, like Jesus. I mean, when he goes to Samaria, that's an exercise in cross cultural Mm -hmm. competency. Mm -hmm. It's an exercise in reconciliation. It's an exercise in overcoming misogyny. Mm -hmm. What? So yeah, I want to make sure people are, are pick up a copy of this book. So again, you, you referenced the name there. It's how to heal our racial divide. What the Bible says about first, uh, what the first Christians knew about racial rec- reconciliation. Again, this friends, you should pick this up where books are available. Has there, now that the book's been out for a while, have there been uh, any kind of surprising interactions with it that either you've heard that are kind of interesting stories that, you know, the impact could be positive or negative uh, that it's had as, you know, as it's been out there for a while now? Yeah. The, f- the first one is, uh, Montreat College is using it as a textbook for one of their classes. Oh, cool. Um, So that's pretty awesome. Uh, Pastor Rick Warren said um, over 100 books in his library on the topic that mine is different and that it's so biblical and gospel laden, Mm -hmm. but also Mm -hmm. with cultural awarenesses and practices. You know, he says it's the Mm -hmm. best that he's ever read. Um, I'm getting tons of feedback just from people going, this is what we need. The church needs mm-hmm. this. The church needs mm-hmm. this. We need mm-hmm. this. More people need to read the book. And so mm-hmm. it's been overwhelmingly positive for pastors mm-hmm. who are interested at our church, Transformation Church. Mm-hmm. We're doing mm-hmm. a series called Color Blessed, where I'm working through mm-hmm. some of the material in the book because we're discipling our congregation. And so you can listen to see how I do this, you know, like I'm not Mm -hmm. writing from a classroom. I'm writing with dirt under my fingernails from actually pastoring Mm -hmm. a Mm multi-ethnic church, having a doctorate in New Testament. And so Mm -hmm. I just want to be helpful to the bride of Christ because, man, the last six years has just really been embarrassing for Christians. And I want to lay this challenge out. We've got all these multi-sites and all this stuff, and under mm-hmm. our noses, QAnon fills the church. Mm. Christian nationalism yeah, so fills the yeah. church. Racial division, yeah. anti-vax, people arguing mm-hmm. about mass. And we got all these campuses and all this stuff, but I'm going, mm-hmm. how is it on our watch that we are a part of the problem? 
not the solution. Yes. Like we like yes. NASA, we have a problem and we're looking at it in the mirror. So I just yes. want to I think we need a new reformation. And I hope mm-hmm. my book is a part of that. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting. One of the things I, you know, I end up doing is end up in churches. Uh, in you know, in the current season, their you know leadership is are often asking like, "What are you hearing? What are you seeing?" And the QAnon, you know, Christian nationalist thing, I reference that as one of the top three things that I'm like, this has this is an issue for all of our churches. Uh, it is, uh, it is like a weed that is growing up around us that we have to. Uh, we can't, we can't ignore, we have to do something about, and even if your church is not, it's impacting your church. Even if you haven't seen, haven't seen the evidence of it yet. It's huge. This is, this is uh, about, mm, oh gosh, probably four or five years ago, I was on a podcast and Mm -hmm. I said to the podcasters, I said, if you rarely preach about the sin of racism and racial injustice at your church, Mm -hmm racists are mm-hmm. filled in your pews and i got all the pushback mm-hmm. and then every one of them have come back and said yep you were right so yeah. within white evangelicalism mm-hmm. a lot of these things have taken root because a lot of the messages are very yes. individualistic they're very therapeutic they're very yes. four ways to get over this five ways to get over this it's not mm-hmm. a real exploration mm-hmm. of jesus and what he's accomplished. And then mm-hmm. you're taught, don't talk about race. Don't talk about politics. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about controversial issues. And while we're being silent, Newsmax one, Fox mm-hmm. news, CNN, yep. CNSNBC, yep. all these news ch- channels are discipling our people. And we're wondering yep. why if we say s- something that Carlson Tucker doesn't agree with, they agree with Carlson Tucker instead of us, because we have yes. been hirelings and not shepherds having difficult conversations. Last week's message that I did is called, how do we have color blessed conversations? What I meant is we're not going to be, let's don't talk about Bruno people. No, we're going to talk about the mm-hmm. issues in the framework mm-hmm. of the gospel. And we're going to have four yeah, love L's, it. love, listen, learn, and leverage. Mm. Love it. Listen, friends who are, you know, friends who are listening in, I, so in my role, I get books sent to me all the time. This book was a book I bought with my own money uh, because I want to support Derwin. I want to support what he's done and have read it and found it challenging and helpful and biblical. All three of those things. It's, this is the kind of book you read and it, it draws you in. And so I want to encourage you and Derwin didn't know I was going to do this. I'm not trying to make a big deal. I just want more people to read the book. I want, uh, what I want to do is give away 10 copies of this that I'll pay for directly. What I'd love you to do if you're listening in is uh, zip me an email. You know, you get a lot of emails from me. If you've been listening long enough, you've signed up to our list. The first five leaders that reach out, uh, what I want to do is I'm going to buy you two copies under this condition that you find another leader at your church and that you read it together, that you commit to reading it together. So it's not like a, a, a lone thing. I want you and another leader to read this book together and then have a conversation about it. Um, and I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to hear how that uh, goes. So again, first five people that email me looking for that, we'll send you those books. I would love uh, to have that, uh, to hear you know how that conversation goes. And, and for folks that aren't there, I would love for you to pick it up. So go to Amazon. It's How to Heal Our Racial Divide by Derwin Gray. I'd love for, for you to pick it up. All right. Well, Dr. Gray, I really appreciate you being on. Uh, is there anything else you want to share just as we wrap up today's episode? Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, what I would say to every leader that's listening 
um, is this, is, is Jesus is the greatest prize we could ever possess, that everything we could ever want is found in him. And some of you may be listening and saying, well, what does that mean? This is what I'll say. It means this, the nearer you draw unto him, the clearer that answer will be, that everything we do and say will be fueled by his resurrection life. And so racial reconciliation is one aspect of what it means to be a disciple. And as you read this book, your love for Jesus, your love for scripture, your love for people, your love for yourself and his mission will grow exponentially. It'll be healthy for you. And uh, just know that I'm cheering you on. Uh, I believe in what God is doing in your life, and it's an honor to partner with you all in the gospel. Mm. Well, thank you so much, sir. If Where do we want to send people online if they want to track with you or with the church? Where, which, where do we want to send them online for that? Yeah, just go to DerwinLGray.com, DerwinLGray, that's gray with an A, DerwinLGray.com, and that'll take you to everything. Great. Thanks so much. Appreciate you being here today, sir. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.